Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this day you've created, and the strength you've given us, the life you've blessed us with, Lord, that you've redeemed us and called us to yourself. Lord, that we can be brothers and sisters, that you have a church, your bride. And Lord, we just want to praise you today. We come together, help us not to forget that we come together because of this, because you have saved us, you have died, you have shed your blood to redeem us. And so we praise you and we thank you and help us to understand that further. Lord, I lift up my brother as he prepares to open up and and share his life and become vulnerable. I pray against the attacks of the enemy that would want to bring shame or um, thoughts of discouragement. I pray you give him boldness and that he would share his witness, his testimony of you and how he met you. And Lord, we thank you that you've called him. Pray you'd fill him with your spirit. Lord, help us to be listeners and doers of the things you want to teach us this morning through his testimony. I also want to pray for Joel and Kawita as they travel this next week. Lord, I pray for strength and grace, especially for Kawita, that you would bless her. And Lord, may we do everything for your glory and your honor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Bless you. So, have you ever wondered what Paul must have felt like when Luke was interviewing him for Acts, writing the book of Acts? And it came a point, that moment, when uh, when Paul had to share, yeah, I, I stood there and held coats for people as they stoned people. And then he probably shared a lot of other stuff, but out of the love that Luke probably had for Paul, he probably didn't add in Acts just how bad and how involved uh, Paul was, because it's vulnerable. It's a painful moment. Can you, can you imagine Paul writing, I was the chief among sinners, or I am the chief among sinners. Do you think he wrote that with joy in his heart, knowing the end of the story? Or do you think he wrote that with tears of regret over what has happened in his life and the things he had to, had to repent from, things that he had, just thinking about how much God had to intervene in his life on the road to Damascus to be able to get him to where he was. I, mean, I, I wonder. I really wonder. I can tell you that when I, when I think about my testimony, I have mixed feelings. I know the end of the story. And so, you know, the first song we sang today, to, to worship God in the beauty of holiness rather than the hypocrisy that I've known in my life is beautiful. And so there's that joyous part of my, my testimony I'm about to share. But there's also the, the, <laughs> it's funny, preparing for this, I, I didn't weep at all. I didn't even have a, a nose that hurt. Uh, <laughs> but um, when I think about the damage that I've done to people I love, it, it makes me think that Paul probably sat there and cried when he said, I am chief among sinners. At any rate, I've been asked to give my testimony, and then the purpose of this testimony is to kind of get to know me better, kind of know where, the, where I've walked through. Um, it, that's, it's an uncomfortable thing to do, right? Because here I am in front of everybody with a spotlight saying, this is my life. Um, and that's uncomfortable. But there's a lot of things that God has done, and, and I, I see the value of it. I gave my testimony, surprisingly, I, when, I, when I re-listened to it, uh, 10 years ago from a, from a pulpit similar to this up here. 
actually in this building. And um, that testimony was given as an illustration of the damage that pornography can do to a, to a person's life. And uh, I listened to that just to kind of do some uh, little research and try to spark my mind. My, my wife suggested maybe listening to it, so I, I did. And uh, as often the case, I listen to somebody else preach something, and I say, I can't even do it close to that. I'm just going to sit in the congregation and play a tape. And I was very tempted to do that, but how awkward that would be since I'd be sitting there listening to me with you people. And uh, that would have been really awkward. It's awkward enough when I have somebody else preach and I'm sitting there. But that testimony is at this website, slaverytovictory.com. We started it about 10 years ago. There's a sermon there from uh, Roger. Um, there's a, a series of First John uh, studies by uh, John D. E. Martin. Um, there's a couple other sermons there under resources. There's a, uh, a track that I wrote based on Psalm 101. Uh, I highly recommend going to that website. There's a lot of stuff. But what I'm about to share today is not nearly as powerful as that testimony. It still makes me want to just like, let's just, just you know, go to that website and turn it on right now. Um, there's, that was preached from a man uh, who was broken and damaged to the point where light was shining through a bunch of cracks. And, and now I've healed a lot more. I've seen people around me, my wife particularly, heal more. Um, it's a little bit easier to share this stuff. That, that was like kind of straight out of the furnace. I think it was like six years uh, after everything came to light, but um, but still there was a lot of things I was dealing with there. So listen to this, <laughs> don't don't leave me. But uh, uh, but that's that's if you want to pass it on to anybody else, that's the testimony you want to pass on. Not what I'm about to share today. Anyway, there's one other thing I want to share too. If I if I was up here and uh, and I was talking about going to an entertainment place, and I would say the elephant ears. Oh, man, they're so good. You ever had an elephant ear? Deep-fried pastry with cinnamon and sugar, and they're crispy, and they're greasy. and they're de- Well, all of a sudden in your mind, you're thinking, hmm, where do you get those again? And it's, it sparks a curiosity about something. You, did, you won't even think, were you anybody thinking of pastry here before I started talking? Probably not. Nobody wants to admit it, at least. Um, but I mentioned something like that, and it gets your mind thinking down that line, and then curiosity takes over. So um, let's just pray right now for protection over the minds of the littles, particularly, and the minds of everybody, particularly, uh, more so, because I, I, I don't want to spark something here that the enemy can use. Okay? So, Father God, you say in your word, it's a mystery, Lord, you say in your word that by the blood and by the testimony of the saints, people will be saved. I trust you in that. I trust your wisdom in that and, and, and the wisdom, Lord, of the leadership of this church who has asked for testimonies. I, I trust all that. But Holy Spirit, I ask for just a, a protection for ears in this congregation and hearts, Lord, that no curiosity from sparked from the depths of hell can ignite anything here. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we thank you for that protection. We ask, Lord, for only those things to be remembered that that you want remembered. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm going to be going through a lot of verses that just kind of bullet point my life. So you don't need to turn to it. Uh, there's At the end, we are going to turn to a scripture together. So, so keep your Bibles near, but it's going to be a while. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear 
lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, speaking to the um, uh, Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, my mom, she allowed and encouraged my brother and I to, to find out for ourselves about religion. She didn't, she wasn't a Christian, didn't believe in this, but she didn't want to say no to it. She wanted us to be exposed to it. So she allowed us to go to churches. There would be uh, uh, VBSs and, and even a couple Sundays we went to a couple churches. I remember several times going to a Catholic church on Christmas just to see all the, wow. Um, so she encouraged us to kind of experience it for ourselves. Uh, but it was confusing to me because these people were talking about things that were myths. They were talking about things that, that were proven to not be true. They, they, were, they were talking about a, a, a book that was so diluted and mistranslated and translated over. I mean, they were talking about all these things. And I got all that from the pulpit of the television. See, I, I, was, I was raised on Channel 7. Channel 7 was the educational channel. It was, there was all these different... Um, ways and things of, of looking at science and, and evolution and, and all that. There were shows on just how to disprove the Bible. And all those things I sucked in. I just I learned. I loved the learning prospect. There was a prophet uh, of that particular thing, and uh, he's dead now. Uh, I'm sure he's facing judgment. Uh, but the things that he said, that, I mean, one thing, the only thing I want to repeat what he said that was stuck with me is, I, I don't want to believe. I want to know. And that was kind of how I grew up. My mom um, would have professed to have been a Christian when she was a teenager. A dog of hers, a favorite animal of hers, was dying. She prayed to God in her belief. The dog still died, and so she, she gave up her belief in Christianity. My father uh, was what you would um, call a watchmaker theology, where there was, a, there was a creation event and God wound up the universe like a clock and then walked away and let it just wind down as it's been doing. That's about as close to Christianity I, I really well, would, would be experienced to as a small child. So, this fellow that I was talking about, this prophet of science, uh, he died and professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible men and birds and four-legged, four-footed animals and creeping things. You know, you don't have to worship an idol um, to say that this is all we have. And then when you die, it says nothing. You, you don't have to have an idol to, to be what Paul was talking about there in Romans. This, this fellow believed that creation was all there was. So, I'm going to skip forward here. Um, so there was this television that was really kind of told me how life worked. This is how I'm trying to share with you kind of where I came from. And from that television, not only came science, not only became this religion of believing that there was no God, and that would be just, it was just what we believed in my family, but also came uh, three really strong building blocks in my life. And that was entertainment. It was pornography, which was readily available on cable channel. Um, and fantasy. Uh, there was a lot of role-playing games I played with my friends. There was, there was a, lot of, a lot of mind stuff there. And, and those became the, the, deep, the deep parts of who I was. And so you've got to understand, I didn't like myself. I was I, ugly. Just, I buck teeth and glasses, and I, and, and I was fat. And I was terrible at school. 
believe it or not, I didn't know how to spell. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know math very well. I didn't know science. I knew science. That's about all I did is know science and, and history. Those are the two things that, that I liked. But as far as anything that people would categorize as, as smart. So I wasn't in the in crowd. Um, I, I didn't take as many showers as I should have had. I mean, I, I was just not well liked. There were very few people who liked me. And those people who liked me liked me because of the access I had to television and pornography and to role-playing games. That was my, my crowd, and there was only like two people. So I, I, I didn't have much. But what I did have was these building blocks, this entertainment. I could, I could sit and watch for hours a story on television. I could sit for, for hours, whatever, and, and view pornography. I could do all this stuff, and it, it gave me a way to an escape. And keep in mind, I didn't know God, right? All I knew was that this is life. So these things, as bad and as horrible as they were, they weren't as bad and horrible to me. For some reason, I did hide them. I was ashamed of them. That was something inside. My brother wasn't ashamed. He, he openly watched pornography. He openly did a lot of things. He took me to, to a movie that I, sh- I can't believe that they let me in. I was a little kid, and they let me into the movie theater. Um, but at any rate, I had all these things in my life, and so when I was confronted with Christianity, true Christianity, if I ever saw it, uh, I had this fear of it because I liked the darkness. I was living in the darkness. So one thing I could do in that fear is argue with people. Can you believe that I like to debate? Is that, is that, is that no? Yeah. So I, I used to debate the Christians. Oh, it was so much fun. They had no idea what they believed, and I could poke fun and, and holes in all their theories. It was so enjoyable. And we're talking grade school here. That, that was, it was something I just enjoyed doing. Middle school, or, or we called it junior high when I was back in the day. Uh, in junior high, it was even better because some people actually had Bibles. They would bring to school because I would argue with them, and then they would show me. It's like, And I could just poke so many holes through it. It was so enjoyable to me. High school, same thing. Went to high school, had lots of fun with people, trying to, trying to put them down. But uh, eventually, there were, uh, the one thing I liked in high school is that I liked to sing, and they had a choir, a concert choir, and they also had a jazz choir, one of the best jazz choirs in the Northwest, won lots of competitions. So I got into the jazz choir, I got into the concert choir, got into drama. There was a lot of good things in high school. Um, but there was this one particular young lady that uh, caught my eye, and I asked her out, which was rare for me, but I, I asked her out, and, and um, she was a Christian. Now, I didn't want to hold that against her. You know, I, I forgave her. For, for that silliness, and I tried to be polite with her. Uh, but she invited me to one of their clubs. And I went to the club, and I got to tell you, there's some, I, you know, I'm so off my notes that I, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of scriptures I'd like to share here. But uh, I, I went to this, this club, and the one thing I noticed when I walked through the door is, oh, you got to understand my experience is school, right? I mean, I'm not, there's hardly anything else that I did except for drama and choir and things like that. Um, but I walked in this room, and there was two opposing high schools, South Eugene and Churchill. These two are major rivals in Eugene. And I walked in, and both of them are meeting under the same leader. John Lynn was a, was a Campus Life leader down there. And, and these kids like acted like they were one group. There wasn't any rivalry. There wasn't any fighting. There were, there were fat kids like me, and there were sports kids and there was and all these people were were together it's like what the bible says they'll know us by our love right there's that that part in john where it talks about that that 
that, you know, in the, what, the high priestly prayer where, where Jesus says, as you and I are one, let them be one. And that's what I was seeing. I was seeing oneness there that I had never seen in my life before. You, you go to a church as a kid and you sit back and like all these children here can testify. You sit back and go, okay, yeah, people talking. All right, all right. And, then, and usually most churches you get up and you just leave. There's no, no fellowship. And yet this was fellowship. These kids were having fun. They were talking about things. Now, the sermons were thin. I could sit there and, and in my mind it's like, yeah, whatever. That's just so silly, the things you're saying. And it was really thin. I could, I could definitely debate it in my mind. Um, but I, I, just, I just felt like what was preached wasn't, wasn't really something there to be there for. But the fellowship was attractive. It was something. Well, things didn't work out with that young lady, but I kept going. I kept going to this, this club, and in the midst of that club, they invited, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, you got to understand that we are what we eat, right? And I was processing these, these doubts about Christianity and the realities of, of the world, and those became the blocks of my life. Those, how, those are the filters. Those are the things. When you invest yourself in something, whether it be sports or automobiles or whatever, when you do that, that becomes the filter. That's how you see life. And so I was seeing life through the stuff that, that, that was basically lies. There's a verse there. I think I, I did pass it. Um, my food were the things that were, the, the, that were giving me the building blocks of my life, and they were of the world. But God says in Psalm 111, verse 5, He has given food for those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenants. If I was eating on the right food, I would have been a completely different high school student. I would have been a completely different junior high. I would have been a completely different adult. But the stuff that I was eating on, right? The only thing I was proud of while I was growing up is the worldly wisdom and atheism and and my imagination as it played out over the games and the access to, to all the stuff I had access to. And John 3.20, Jesus is commenting, he says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, and his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. If I had just, <laughs> if I had just, it wasn't that I necessarily feared the light. It's just why go in the light? I was enjoying life too much. I was enjoying my sin. John seventeen twenty two. This is that high priestly prayer. Uh, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, and they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. And you have looked uh, and have loved them as you have loved me. They will know we're Christians by our love. And that's what that group is representing. So when we're here, guys, <laughs> I, I think we get this. But can I really stress it? Don't speak bad about each other. Don't be eager to get out of here. Don't be eager not to help people. If there's a, a text that goes out and says, we're moving a piano. We're, we're doing this. Be there. Because that is, that's, you want to talk something that's attractive to the world? That's unique. 
That's a unique thing. Don't give that up at all. So God used the foolishness of preaching to reach me. I listened and I talked to those people in the club and I and I would I would kind of argue with them and I and they actually had answers. The guys who let out. So the, the structure was there was one guy and there was a trainee guy underneath him and there would be like maybe four volunteers that were from college age that would meet with the high school students and they would they would meet with you and they would talk with you. And there was one particular fellow who just didn't give up. I mean, he never shook the sand from his sandals. His name was Lauren Davis. And that guy loved me even though I argued every time we met. And he would speak truth into my life. And he would say, hmm, I get that. I, I understand where you're coming from, but have you seen it from here? And he would just pour into my life. This day after day, and I would call him and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm reading a silly book of yours and it says this, but it also says this in this chapter. And how do you, and he, he would patiently talk to me. He'd patiently talk to me. I, yeah, I could tell you some conversations. Anyway, so, uh, you know, we had a fellow here uh, that used to go to our congregation, and he, he asked me a, a question that he thought would spark a conversation. He, he asked me a question, do you think God can use Christian comedians? And I could tell by the way he was talking to me that, no, of course not. I mean, how can you mix the world and, and, and kingdom? But I tell you what, the final straw for me was a guy named Ken Overstreet. He's a Christian comedian. And he, he, he had the whole crowd laughing. And, we, and then he snuck the gospel in while all of our defenses was down. And I was beat. I was, I was so convicted over what he was saying a person can be and what I was. There was a, a whole comic routine about being sheep. But it reached me. It, we don't, don't, don't say that people that have a different way of things can't do be used by God. So, April 26, 1984, I accepted Jesus. I, I, I sat down with a, a fella from that club, not the guy that had been helping me so much, but another fella, and, uh, and he asked me the simple question. He says, Bob, you, you say you now believe this, and you believe this, and you believe this. What's stopping you from praying and accepting Jesus? And I just sat there dumbfounded. I had no idea. I have no idea why I'm stopped. And he said, well, then let's just try. And we prayed, and I accepted Jesus. And it was just, it was glorious. I just felt, wow, this is what I've always wanted. And I didn't even know it. And I, and I accepted Jesus. I really wish that was the end of my testimony, guys. I wish I could close the Bible, and I could go sit down, and, and we're done. Because that, that's a great story, right? But here's the problem. I ingested, I ate, the body was built off of these other things that were part of my life. And you can't just like shed those. I, I was able to shed my doubt of who God was because I was confronted with truth and I couldn't deny the truth. But my flesh was still stronger than my spirit. And, and I continued in secret sin at this point. Now there was shame on top of that that gave it more power and more darkness and and, and there was more things I, I, I couldn't let go. You know, Jesus, I don't know if I have that somewhere in the scripture here. I, I, I shared it, but, but Jesus says, you know, out of the heart of man comes. And then there's all this thing, you know, sexual morality and lust and, and theft and all these things that, that are horrible and wicked and darkness comes out of the heart. Well, you know how they get in the heart. That's what you consume. You sit there and you consume that and that becomes your thought process. So 
I became a whitewashed sepulcher filled with dead men's bones. Again, I, I love to argue and debate, but now I could do so with those who were against Christianity. Still, being a lost sinner in my heart, but I believed in Jesus. I went to every meeting and I listened and I wondered where the power of God was. I mean, I could preach it, I, 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 but I couldn't conquer my own sin. I fought and fought and fought and I did all the things that I could do, I could think of doing to get it out of my life. Um, disconnected the television in my room. you believe I had a television in my room connected to the cable, to all the late night channels? Not only that, but I had a VCR. My parents were very loving and permissive. What does that mean? <laughs> you want to talk about two things that don't go together. You can't be permissive and very loving. Anyway, but I got rid of that. I got rid of other stuff, and, and still the stuff would be in my life. I would be able to come across it and find it. I wouldn't be able to, to get rid of it. You know, things that would really haunt me, these are type of verses that would really haunt me during that time period because no, every, everybody thought I was a good Christian. I was walking right and I was doing right. And these are the things that would hit me. Uh, Proverbs twenty four twelve. Don't say, I don't know it. God can read your mind. <laughs> oh, I hated that verse. Uh, he watches each of us and knows our thoughts and God can pay us back for what we do. How about this in Psalm ninety four eleven? The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. In First Chronicles, this is all the Old Testament, twenty-eight nine. Solomon, my son, worship God and obey Him with all your heart and mind, just as I have done. He knows all your thoughts and your reasons for doing things. Not to mention the New Testament. I didn't even go to the New Testament for my example, guys. But we know that one. I remember vividly being uh, at a sermon meeting somewhere. I can't even remember where. But uh, the first time I heard that that deal about Jesus sitting at the tax payer's table and he knew their thoughts. That was hard. It's like, God knows my thoughts. Don't go there, God. <laughs> see my actions. Don't, 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 well, okay, don't see those actions. But see, see the actions I go to church and see all the actions that I teach the Bible. I was teaching Bible school in high school. Or not Bible school. I was teaching Bible studies in high school. Anyway, so all these things that they would, they would, come back and come back and I couldn't get victory and I couldn't get victory and and I felt like I was doing everything I could do except for one thing. I felt like God said, you ruined this out of your life. Confess to your best friend. And my best friend at the time, he uh, he was Lutheran, conservative Lutheran. Now they're not Lutheran. They're not conservative. But they used to be back then. They were a very conservative church. Um, His father was the Speaker of the House up in Salem. They were a wealthy family, very Republican, very uh, staunch and um, he and I would, you know, our play dates would go listen to Chuck Swindoll on the radio when it came on. You know, we, 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 we were just, we were brothers. And we would tag team preaching the Bible in school. And we would, we would go to events together and we would, we would pray together. And, and uh, I felt like God said, you need to confess to him. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, Lord, let me do the safe confession. Let's, let's, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? I can do that. I can, do, I can go to God. To you and you alone have I sinned, David said. I can say that. You know, I could go that. That's a safe one. The more dangerous confession of James, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer, uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, both confessions, both confessions of those heal. 
But, you know, like that fellow Rick Rhodes just said, was it Rick Rhodes, right? Rick Rhodes just said, I mean, that was brilliant. I, I, I wish I had caught that back in the day. He said that God, uh, how did he say it? He said that the humble, right? He, that God listens to the humble, but he resists the hearts of the proud. Right. So what, what's more humble, confessing to a person or confessing to God? What's he going to resist? He's going to risk a heart that says, you, you just made a safe confession to me. Now, go talk to Craig. And I couldn't talk to Craig. I couldn't. So, anyway, um, if I didn't have the discipline to follow God, then I didn't have discipline. If God said, this is, this is what I need you to do, and I couldn't do it, then I didn't have discipline. And you know, there's a nifty little proverb that says this, a city without walls is like a man without discipline. You imagine that, a little tiny town out in the prairie, they would have their, their harvest festival and they would bring in their stuff and everybody would share out of their plenty and they would, they, would, they, would, they would be set for the rest of the year and then here comes the enemy, comes right through their fair, picks up all their food, takes it away, takes away their children because there's no, there's no walls and that's what the enemy would do. I'd be like, that was a fruitful season, Lord. I saw somebody get saved. I, I was able to, to find things in the Bible. I really thoroughly enjoyed the last week's sermon. This is, you know, my life is doing right. You know, I even went to my secret stash of stuff and burned them. I went to the fireplace and burned all these things that shouldn't have been in my life to begin with. I did all that. And then the enemy would come in and go, yeah, but. And they would just take all that joy from me. Because I didn't have that discipline. You know, there's importance on having quiet times. There's importance on going to church every Sunday uh, uh, there's, there's even Saturday, fine. You know, whoever may be listening to this in the future, whatever your day of worship is setting aside and, and having that discipline in your life puts those walls around because your life is dedicated in all its aspects to God. So I went from high school, still having this secret sin. I went to, uh, to a Christian college and in that Christian college, I, I, I pursued things I shouldn't have pursued, uh, in a relationship, but didn't go f- too far because I did obey God when I heard God say, yeah, the reason you're in this relationship is not for me. Broke that off, but I was still in my private life. Again, no walls, right? I had this victory. I could tell that this relationship is not going right. I don't want to go down that anyway, but I, but I still would lose it in my personal life. In my, my personal, no one else in the darkness, I would lose it. You know, I, it says in Ephesians 4.21, truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and, it's cor- uh, and, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holy. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. I, I couldn't catch that. I couldn't confess to my best friend. Even at that point, he wasn't my best friend, but I still felt like if I could just go back, if I could, I, you know, we got these nifty things called phones. They didn't have cell phones, but I have a phone. I could call him. I could have talked to him. He still lives in the area. In fact, he still lives up in Kaiser. Um, but I just simply couldn't. I tried and tried to kill my old man. I would cry. I wept. I prayed. I, I would walk like a man for a, for a while, like a man of God for a long time. But then I would fall, and I knew, uh, I, I knew, Jesus would be there to heal me and forgive me. Right? Confess your sins and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. 
But I kept going there. I kept setting myself up for failure, as Rick Rhodes said. My best talents were keeping me from fully committing. My best talents of hiding. My best talents of, of, of just disagreeing. It was keeping me away from things. For now there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you guys are King James only, that's how that verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says it. And any other translation, it's verse 4, but it's still there. It's in any translation you want to look at it. You have to walk in the Spirit for there to be no condemnation. I was speaking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. And so there was condemnation. I was condemned. I felt condemned. I didn't look it, but I felt it. But then I met Mrs. Gussie, our future Mrs. Gussie, and fell in love with her. She was way out of my league. That is such a cool story, and I'd like to share with you guys sometime how I thought it was even possible for me to to uh, uh, date such a beautiful, godly. Uh, she she was she wore the Holy Spirit on her sleeve. I could tell that she was walking right, and and I just. I, but there was no way she was, and a great story, share it some other time with you. But um, I asked her out, she said yes, and, and we started pursuing a relationship. And, and I just knew that this is the right one, this is it. Despite some things, you know, she broke up with me. But, you know, we got back together, <laughs> we, we got back together. It was three dates. <laughs> anyway, but we got back together, and, and, and God was just like, this is it. I feel like this is it. i got to get this out of my life. And so I couldn't confess to Craig, but I can confess to her. And so in part, I confessed to some of the things I was in. Devastated her. Hurt her deeply. And we weren't even, I don't know, a year, two years into the relationship. Um, maybe a year. But anyway, I, I, at least I felt like I did that right, even though I didn't, because I didn't confess everything. And she misheard me. She thought I, this was a past thing. I was trying to say that it was still a thing going on, uh, but I've been getting victory, uh, so I guess I, I did convey it in the right, wrong way. Um, but anyway, we dated, we courted, if you will, for three and a half years. Her, uh, I went to her father after a year or so and said, can I have your daughter's hand? And he said, no. Uh, so I stayed. <laughs> I just stayed around the area uh, for three, three and a half years. We continued courting. Um, but that... But in my heart, there was still this darkness. There was still these building blocks that made a lot of decisions wrong for me. Long story short, we married. And not long into our marriage, I started to fall back into my old habits. <clears throat> While playing the part of a loving husband and a church member, uh, we even taught Sunday school. Now, that guy that I told you that wasn't the fellow who walked me through the, the, uh, uh, the steps of de- debating and not that fellow, but the guy who prayed with me, that last guy, why can't we pray? Well, he started as a church, a split off from another church that we used to go to. And we, so we started going to his church, and, and um, it was phenomenal, and, and, and it was great. We were teaching Sunday school, and we were active, and, and things were just going great in that. And we were getting to know each other deeper. And meanwhile, I was still in my private time and in the darkness, still falling back into my old sins. Now, she was everything a woman and a wife could be for me. There was nothing she did wrong. Nothing. But what I consumed when I was young, I could never purge. And so 
all these twisted thoughts would come and all these twisted things and opportunity would come and, and I would fall and not confess. Well, I got sloppy and then uh, December 18th, about a year into our marriage, uh, I was caught. My wife found some evidence and it completely devastated, destroyed her, devastated. She was, she was hurt. Um, if I say anything more, I'm going to lose it. So uh, I'll just say that she was hurt deeply. And uh, I, I thought, again, I reached back, reached back into the things that I know will keep me safe. And I lied to her about how involved I was in. A nice, easy lie. Only three times since we've been married. And there had been multiple times. And so I lied to her and, and, um, and, then, and then prayed with her and, and met with counsel and prayed. I even lied in my prayers to God with her and I, and I would lie to the pastor and, and, and I never got free. I, I, this anchor of darkness was still in my life because I was still trying to protect self. And I was trying to protect her because she was so hurt. So hurt. So we, we would pray for a, a 133% healing during that time and and eventually and slowly um she forgave me it was hard but we worked through that this is before we had children um and we worked through that and then we were doing much better i i I still had some sins in my life i still had some darkness in my life i still had that anchor and and we started coming out to to this church or the or the the precursor to this church, if you will. But we, we came here, and um, there are a lot of things here that are attractive. A lot. But there was also this uh, accountability thing that was kind of scary. And all those strengths of debate started coming up. I am so sorry, Roger. <laughs> the things on head coverings and the things on uh, uh, Christian music, and, and um, there was just so many things to debate and this uh, once saved, always saved thing. I remember we sang, uh, 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 Creating Me a Clean Heart. Anyway, there's a line in a song, one of Keith Green's songs, about taking out the Holy Spirit from me. And I remember going to Roger afterwards in the old building, and, and I said, yeah, that's such a beautiful song. Too bad it's not doctrinally correct. Well, what do you mean? And so I said, well, God promises never to take your Holy Spirit. Well, and then we, we you know, it's once again, we're into the debate. Um, he did well. It was good. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I held on to these a lot of this debate and and just really enjoyed those conversations and maybe enjoyed them too much and um, I let those things become the persona of Christianity and not the real Christian of submitting not not submitting not giving over to God not not allowing God to take me over completely so I, I chose sin even though I knew the consequences the near death experience for my wife basically. Even that, I chose sin. I, 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 I went back to those things. And, and some of you know the story. Um, but I, it started like this. Uh, I finally found irreprovable, uh, undeniable, <laughs> that's, I can say that better, undeniable proof that the Bible teaches you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot. It's, it's this sermon. I found a sermon that just goes point by point by point by point. And, and uh, I took the tape and I played it uh, with Roger and, and uh, my wife and Phoebe were there. And I, and I said, do um, you have permission to stop the tape and just refute anything he has to say? I don't know what, three points. I, we, we did not get very far. 
Uh, and it was, it was just a bunch of shadows. The guy was preaching a bunch of shadows. It just wasn't there in the Bible. Like he made it so confident. And I was so confident. But the problem is this, folks. I was sitting at that table with my wife, Roger and Phoebe. And we were listening to this. And I came to the undeniable fact that you can lose your salvation. If that's possible, then there's this verse here. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of of the word of God and the powers of this age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of Man and uh, to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. See, I knew that. I was sitting at a table going, wow, all right? These people don't think I know, but I know I've lost my salvation. I had a real salvation experience in high school. There's no doubt in my mind that I did. And here I am sitting at this table knowing that I'm walking in the flesh. And, And sin still has a power over my life. Nobody knows it. It's a secret, but it's still here. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? <laughs> so I couldn't reveal to him the turmoil that was going on in my heart. I just smiled. I was like, oh, yeah, you got it. You, you won that debate, brother. You're okay, fine. You know, and wow, you know, I got some things to be thinking through. And, and, then, and then we did, right? I, I thought it through and I thought it through. And um, I was just like, Lord, what do I do? And what do I do is just ignore it. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to play the hypocrite. I'm going to do what I need to do um, and just throw myself on God's mercy. If there's salvation anywhere left in my life, even a scrap of it, if you, even if I'm burned when I get to heaven, at least I'll get to heaven. And, and I'll just, I, I, have no, I have nothing to trust but God's grace at this point because I cannot confess. Everything would be destroyed. My wife went through hell the first time. What is she going to go through this time? She will definitely leave me. And at that point, we had Benjamin. So we, we had a family, probably pregnant. Four, we, had four, we had four children at that point and it it would have been it would have been devastating <laughs> so i couldn't confess <clears throat> um, continuing on so i went on with ignoring that becoming a hypocrite uh doing everything i could to play the part uh and then it, if you guys know the story and it's a story that's worth telling but just not now because of time but um there was a fellow in this congregation jake and he did a lot of shaking and rattling and in, in the dark world of uh, pornography and, and standing up against it, and uh, and in the process of doing that, he got arrested for for uh, violating a restraining order that one of the shops had put on him. And in the process of doing that, he had a court date coming up uh, to fight that particular citation, that arrest. And he invited everybody from the church, and he invited everybody from the media, including where I worked, the local local newspaper in the in the university. He invited everybody, and he, he was the type of person that could convince a news reporter to go there. And I knew, and I won't go into details right now, but I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, Jake was going to be pulled up in the, in the uh, deal, and they were going to say, uh, so tell me, Mr. Wilcoxon, does everybody in your church feel this way, or is this a unique feeling that you found somewhere in your Bible? And Jake, oh, everybody believes that. Oh, really? And then they were going to click, and there was going to be a picture of my past, with me, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, I knew that was going to happen. 
So all my darkness was going to be exposed, not only to Jake, not only to the courtroom, but to everybody in my church and to everybody in the news. I thought I was going to lose my job, officer uh, conduct on becoming an officer. I, I definitely was going to lose my wife. I was definitely going to lose my family, definitely going to lose my congregation. Any, any connection that I had with anybody, I, it was gone. It was over. It was over. <laughs> so that left me with two, two things. I could get ahead of this thing and confess. I didn't have the power to do that. But that's a possibility. Or I can get ahead of this thing and kill myself. So I entered into a period of fasting. I asked God to give my wife supernatural healing, supernatural forgiveness. And, and, and I wish I could say I was asking for God to give me supernatural wisdom, but I wasn't. I pretty much decided I have to die. I, I can't live through what's about to happen. That court case is going to blow everything up in my life, and I can't. And what do I say? Hey, Jake, why don't you just pay the ticket? I couldn't do that, right? So, anyway, um, one night I, I asked my wife, "Let's let's get out the paperwork for our will." You know, we've been thinking about doing this for a while. We have children now, and and um, let's just sit down and do that. And as I'm sitting there, um, we're kind of thinking about who gets the children if we die, and you know this, and we're thinking about that. And uh, Priest and I get silent, and you know, Priest and I start to cry. So my wife, thinking maybe something's wrong, you know, <laughs> I don't normally cry. Well, believe it or not, I don't normally cry. Um, but I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to cry. And in a long, awkward conversation, I confess to her that I believe I'm going to be exposed in Jake's court case. Well, what do you mean? And I shared. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a night I won't remember. So there was, a, <clears throat> there was a, some conversation, and again, I relied on that anchor of darkness that I have. I confessed. There was a few times. Um, this is not something that really has power over me. It's something I kind of fell into. No, it was something I was addicted to, and I wasn't releasing it. I wasn't doing what God did. Do you remember God said what I need you to do is confess to your best friend back in high school? You don't think I heard that over and over again? Confess to your wife to your church. And I couldn't. I've already established how that happens in high school, right? You, you don't. But I had to. And so she, she asked me to, uh, and anything she asked at that moment would have been, I have to do it. <laughs> so I was going to lose her. You also understand there's another layer to this, and it comes up more in, the, in that one. Um, the hypocrisy I felt coming home, coming from these places of darkness, and sitting outside the house and praying that God would just, just shed the evil spirits off of me so I could go and lay hands on my children and pray for them without anything coming over to them. I, I don't know what you believe, but I believe in that. I, I believe that there is a presence of darkness or a presence of light that goes with you wherever. And what you leave when you leave a room is the presence of darkness or the presence of light. And if I'm not walking in the light, if I'm walking in the darkness, so I... I felt like maybe I was affecting my children and, and, and I still couldn't let go of my sin. Even with that, I felt like it was affecting my wife. And even 
knowing the devastation it would cause when I'm found out, I continued in my sin. I just wouldn't allow God to be God. So, in all that, I don't know the science of it. I don't know even the spirit of it. I don't know if this is true, but i got to tell you what, walking in darkness leaves you condemned. We had a series of miscarriages during that time. And it was all my fault. God wasn't permitting new life into our family because of my darkness and death. And all of that came, came to light at one moment. She asked me to confess to the church. I did. Got a small group of people. Randy and his wife was there and Roger, of course. And others, there was, there was just... We met at his house, and we, we, uh, I confessed, and I talked to people, and, I, and I, uh, it was one of the most painful things I had ever had to do. And then, then came here to the church in the back of this building and confessed to, to a bunch of men and kind of went through it. Mark was here at that point. And uh, if it was just a little bit painful to me, you can't imagine how painful it was to my wife. Uh, here we found a church that believes in holiness. And her protection, her loving husband, was not a protection or a loving husband. Not even a Christian. So, so through that, I submitted to my wife and I both actually submitted to counseling. She needed help to forgive. <laughs> I needed help to get rid of that anchor. As Roger put it, it's not just the sin of pornography in your life, Bob. It's this lying. So we worked through that. It took years. In fact, my wife and I were just talking about Ten years ago, I gave the, the sermon about my testimony. That was actually six years after the confession. It took six years to be able to get to the point where I could talk about it. Anyway, we got through that. In John, D's Martin, uh, John D. Martin's sermon, our uh, series on First John, which is something I was listening to while I was fasting, there was a phrase that he put in there. He, there was a verse he put in there that really was useful and I don't want to just leave you with you know I was caught in sin and that's because I repented he said something in there that just kept coming back and coming back and coming back and it became basically how I saw it in my mind's eye is that it's like a, a dagger that I have on my hip here and every time the devil comes I can pull it and I can use that dagger on the enemy before he gets close to me and that's the verse blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God see I remind myself of the damage I caused my wife and to my family and even to my church. I thought about the hurt that I caused Christ on the cross. And I was told in no uncertain terms, I need to be pure because I need to see God for my wife's sake. See, I need to be pure because I need to see God for my children's sake. The devil comes to me, I can pull out that dagger and say, no, I need to be pure of heart so I can see God for my church's sake. 
you read through Hebrews chapter 6 and 10, those two chapters, and try not to feel condemned if you're in, in secret sin. Try not to feel condemned if you, if you once tasted and saw and now you've rejected by your actions. It's really, really hard. When I'm confronted by the devil to, to sin, I need to pull that dagger and say, no. See, I need to be pure in heart because I need to see God for Christ's sake. I told you at the end here we're gonna we're gonna open the Bible together. I know it's I'm like two minutes over. If you guys will allow me, if you would all turn to Psalm 101. As you're turning there, let me just read this one verse here. This is Second Timothy 4:18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. That was Paul writing that, the chief of sinners. Whatever you do in secret will be that anchor that holds you to it. In secret, if you have sin that you can't confess... In secret, you have addictions that you don't feel like anybody would understand and my reputation would be completely destroyed. That will hold you to that. Conversely, if in the secret you're crying out to God and praying and praising and just being thankful for Him, in the secret, that anchor will hold in that. And it will hold you to it. I encourage you to seek Him when you're not with anybody else. I went on that prayer walk yesterday. I actually hurt because that was a lot of miles. But I went on that prayer walk yesterday and, and I just I committed to God, if I'm not praying or praising you right now walking through this, I'm going to listen to Psalms. And so I found a, a psalm, a lady reading Psalms. She's like, I don't know, sounds like a strong, thick African accent, but she's just reading the Psalms. Just praising God through his word in the secret when nobody else is around. That's an anchor that will hold you to the holiness of God. And you can worship God in the beauty of holiness rather than the ugliness of hypocrisy. Listen, I'm I'm nothing. I am a broken sinner. I am evil to the core. And it's only by God's grace that that I have any idea of who the Holy Spirit is. It's by God's grace I still I'm still married. His grace is everything and is worthy to be praised. If anybody here, I kind of left it up in the air, if anybody thinks, well, he just read that thing out of out of Hebrews six, and I have sinned, I've walked in the flesh, and I and I used to be saved, and if I'm not saved now, there's no chance of being saved. You know, Roger, I came to him with that after that, and Roger did share with me some verses of um about the weeping (laughs) and the brokenness, and God recognizes the humble. But the bottom line is this, and I don't know if this is theologically correct. I'll debate it with you later if you want. But if I'm not saved, God's work on the cross 
justifies me throwing my life away, praising him, working for him, doing everything I can for him, for his sake, not mine. I pray, I hope, but I don't know if I totally trust that I am saved. Or those that have walked away from the truth, that if it is possible. But I know this, God is awesome. <laughs> and he does have grace, and he does have forgiveness, and he, and he does have a plan of salvation. And he's worthy to be followed even if you're not. Psalm 101. Let's go through this real quick. Uh, again, on this website, there's a track that I made that goes basically over what I'm about to say here. But this, this is a declaration. This is a stand. This is, this is a statement that I'm not going to have an anchor in darkness. He starts out with the appropriate way of praising him. He says this, I will sing. By the way, it's a different translation. Forgive me, but read it in yours so you're familiar with it. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. That's an active thing that we're doing. I will ponder the way of th- that is blameless. The thing about pornography, the thing about darkness, is that you ponder things that are of this world. Don't. Ponder the things of the heaven. Ponder the things of Christ. Ponder the, the book and what the story of his life, the gospels, the, his testimony, Paul's testimony. Ponder those things. Things that are worthy of being pondered. Oh, when will you come to me? That's an appropriate thing to say. I need you now, Lord. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. The house is a place when you're alone, it's full of temptations. I declare it right now. I am walking in my house with integrity in my heart. If you want to get spiritual on it, great, go spiritual. I will walk with the integrity of my heart in my heart, where I live, my house. I will talk and walk and be a man of integrity. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. There's much better translations on that word. Garbage. I'm not going to say anything garbage in front of my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Pornography clings. Lies cling. Sins cling. I'm not, I hate their work. I hate what they do. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil, Paul says in Romans. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I hope you never, ever, ever see pornography, but that is a haughty look. That is an arrogant heart. That's the spirit behind it. And I will not endure it. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land. My eyes are going to be focused on those who are walking with the Lord, on those who are ministering for the Lord. That's where my eyes are going to be set. And they will not, <clears throat> that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. You know, when you enter into the world of pornography, when you enter into the world of entertainment even, it's ministering to you. Who is ministering? Ask that question. Is this person blameless before the Lord? What are they teaching me? Because they're teaching. They are teaching. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wickedness in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And of course, David is coming from a point of view of an actual sword, actually cutting down, actually purging people from the land. But can we not say that, that 
when we accept the Lord, we become the land of the Lord. And I'm not going to allow these thoughts, I'm not going to allow these temptations to be part of who I am. I'm going to utterly, utterly cut them off, confess to my wife, confess to the church, do whatever it takes. I'm not going to allow these thoughts to be in the land. Let me leave you with this one more thing. I, and I've shared this up here before, I don't know, in how many different sermons, but sometimes we struggle to know the will of God. What is God's will for my life? Particularly young people. What is God's will? One of the very few verses that we have that specifically says his will is, is this. This is the will of God that you abstain from sexual morality. You see, I, where could have I have been if I had confessed to my best friend in high school? I was just telling my wife, I hugged her today, just going through this. I was so sorry for my life. I'm so sorry for how I've led this family. I'm so sorry for where we are right now. Because, you know, we could have been on the front line in Zimbabwe. I don't know. We could be doing something for the Lord in a mighty way because of the power God released through me. And I had that anchor in holiness and that anchor in the light. And and allow, we, we could be in a different place had I not given all those years up to to things that were of the flesh. And all I can say is, by God's grace, I'm where he wants me right now. Where you are. So, i got to conclude, but there's, there's more. Um, can I say this? That this, this has opened up a lot of wounds. I, I wish I could be that version of Paul that rejoices in the fact that he used to be the chief, chief of sinners rather than the one who dwells on it. This has opened up a lot of wounds. This is very hurtful to me and to my wife. Um, I don't care about my reputation. My reputation's already shot. But hers isn't. <laughs> She's an amazing wife. Um, and she has never had anything to do with me falling. It's always been me. So, uh, pray for our family. Pray for each other. Because this stuff is deceitful and it's hidden. Father, I am. I just ask one more time, Lord, that you remove any anything I said that should not be dwelt upon. That we could focus on the holiness, Lord. We could focus on the on the beauty of worshiping you in holiness. Lord, that we could focus on your heart and your will and your desires. And that, Lord, you would be glorified through every story that comes to a saving knowledge of you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. For those who, those who may not have known me in this story, this is why every time I have an opportunity when I hear everybody be silent and say, what song should we sing? that we sing, Lord, I am fondly, earnestly longing into your likeness. Crucify all the fleshly within me. That's the heart I really want every single day. Love that song. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for your attention.